The scripture reading this morning will be coming from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. Again, that is John 15, 12 through 14. That can be found on page 956 in the Pew Bible. This is my commandment that I that one love that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Good morning. So thankful for you today, thankful for that fine reading of our scripture this morning. Glad that you have chosen to be here. Thankful that of all the places in the world you could be this morning, you are here as we've gathered together to do what? To tell God how great He is, to encourage one another love and good works, to, to take the Lord's Supper, to sing praises, to go before Him in prayer and to open God's Word. Thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're uh, Our control isn't working. There we go. Uh, I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about how to comfort one another in grief. Every, every day, uh, somebody experiences loss. And as humans, we grieve all losses. And part of the blessing of being part of the church family is that we have an opportunity to comfort one another, but also it's very difficult to go through a time of grieving. Tonight we're going to specifically talk about how do we go through grief, and how do we comfort one another, and how do we gain comfort through this time? I believe it'll be a blessed time to be here, and I pray that you will choose to be here as we discuss this. Let's go to God in prayer this morning as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are amazing. We are thankful you have blessed us, and thankful for this opportunity we have to come together, to know that we are not alone in trying to serve you, Lord, we pray that we will connect to you, that we will be your disciple, and we will follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What smells good to you? Some people see this pic, and it looks like a Zyrtec commercial, right? I mean, it, things could go really bad. But what is it that smells really, really good to you? For some people, it's what? Chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I just heard, mmm, Yeah. That's it. Well, they smell good. You, you walk into a place where they are, they are cooking, and, and for some of you, it may be coffee. You smell that, that, that smell, and that is something that smells good to you. Maybe it's hot biscuits. Maybe it's just baking bread, and you're like, wow, I love the way that smells. And it may not be that necessarily you're, you're eating it. There's something about smelling that that probably brings about memories, probably brings around thoughts that you have. And some people like smelling stuff so much, there are stores totally dedicated to making stuff smell like other stuff. Right, Bath and Body Works, some, somebody decided a cucumber and a melon would smell good together. Give me a break. Somebody, come on. Does anybody like cucumbers, the smell of them? I've been told if you smell cucumbers, there's a copperhead around, okay? There's something there. Just keep that in mind, all right? There's something about that. But why do you go there? In there, I don't know how you can pick out anything specific, not that I go there regularly, pick out anything specific to see what something would actually smell like. You even go through our homes, we have candles that are dedicating to what? Certain smells. Then there is cologne. I laugh. One, my dad kept English leather around the house. I'm like, if you're going to find something that's supposed to smell good, I wouldn't name it after a saddle. If you look, that's, that's their, 
that, that's their thing. I'm going, and the other Stetson, they always showed a cowboy out on the range. Cowboys are known for what? Bathing? Not exactly. I've never thought that was a really good thing to try to get somebody to emulate. Maybe it's those who need it the worst. One of the things that smells really good to me is vanilla. And t can I tell you, that's nearly universal. Some of you may not like it, but it's not just people who like to smell vanilla. Animals do. Growing up, I was told if you had a deer hunt, you had to find something that would cover your smell. And it always had to do with something horrible. It had to deal with raccoon, raccoons or something to, to cover yourself. It was bad. And then this one company, this guy named Dan Fitzgerald, said the best thing you can do to cover your scent is use vanilla. Because there's an attractiveness to that smell, and, and I have used it. I've seen deer come looking for it. It's pretty incredible. Because when something smells good to you, it is something that, that becomes attractive, something you want, something that reminds you of something else. Let me ask you a bigger question. What smells good to God? What is it that smells good for God? There's actually about four verses in the Bible that say different things. This morning, I want us to think about this, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Where Paul says this, beginning in, in, in chapter 1, he says, I mean, verse 1, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to our God. What does he say? Jesus' sacrifice, which was a loving sacrifice, a sacrifice, a selfless sacrifice of love, smelled good to God. If Jesus' sacrifice of love smells good to God, so will ours. He says you should imitate God. That is what he has called us to do, and imitate that love that he has. What does love look like? The different people's different things. For, for some people, there's puppy love, right? Y'all remember being in middle school and, and, and you'd go with somebody, but you never went anywhere. I'm going with so-and-so. Where are you going? Nowhere. We're just going together. And we thought we were in love. And it was one of those things that, that, that when you broke up, even though you've never gone anywhere or done anything, you, you, you were hurt by that. For some people, see, you know what love looks like? It looks like a wedding day. And I know this, on my wedding day, it was a beautiful day, very thankful for that day. But I think if you ask this couple, uh, John and Ann Batar, who've been married 85 years, they would probably have a different view of what love looks like. I'm not, his wedding day picture, he's not sure exactly. I don't know if he regrets that decision right then or not. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay. <laughs> he may have just met the in-laws. I'm not sure what's going on there. But I'm going to tell you, you've been married 85 years, your view of love is probably different than somebody who's just gotten married. For some people, a picture of love is this. Greater love hath no man in this than a man lay down his life for his friends. We think about those who, who serve and protect us. We think about those who are first responders. Those who, when something happens, get that call and must respond to it. We think about... What is it in someone that when you hear gunshots runs toward them? When you see a building that's on fire, you go that direction. And we have people who love. For me, this is something that I saw uh, this past week and posted about. This is a picture of love for me. 
to see my, my wife looking at my little boy and to see my little boy looking at his mama. And, and I tell people, he loves her more than me. He does, and that's okay. When I look at this, I, I see love. And the, the thing is, it's one thing to ask us what love looks like or what, what smells good. It's another thing to say, God, what is it that, that looks like love to you? And he says, this is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is love here, Jesus dying on that cross and sacrificing himself. And everything that led up to that, the beatings, the scourging, the mocking, the living a life of dedication before that, that is what love looks like. Looks like. And what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, we're going through our fall focus. We're talking about what it means to be committed to connect to Christ. And the big word for that is discipleship. Discipleship means that you are following Jesus. Jesus is walking and you are following along behind him. And discipleship means if Jesus turns around, you're there. When Jesus turns around, he sees you. You're walking along, and all of a sudden, if Jesus is walking, he turns around, he sees you. You're his follower. Last week, we, we said you're his follower. If you abide in my word, Jesus said, this is how you can tell, if you abide in me. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, that when I'm walking and I look back, there you are. That's where you want to be. This week, he says, everyone to know that will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, hey, if you love one another, as I'm, Jesus walks along and he turns around, you're there. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love just as Christ loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He has called us to a higher love, a love that is higher than, than we can imagine that many of us are willing to give. And the love God initiated is the love God wants imitated. The love God initiated toward us is the love that God wants imitated in us. And can I tell you, it's challenging. One of the most challenging things that God will ask us to do and ask us to do is, is to love as he loved. We sit there and look at that, wow, what an impossible standard. He said, here's how people are going to know that you belong to me. It is how you love one another. Christ's love is greater than anything. His love is greater than any example we can come up with. We read this morning Isaiah 53 as we prepared our mind for the Lord's Supper. To look, what the to look at what the love of Christ means to us. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about what it means to love at a higher level. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We have the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Plains in Luke chapter 6, and there are some similarities there. Jesus repeated some of the things, some of the things he expounded on. I want us to look at this. Can I tell you, this is some of the most challenging verses in Scripture. In Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. Jesus said this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. You've got to be kidding me. So if somebody slaps me, I should stand there and let them slap me again? If someone comes up and says, I want this, I should give them something else. He, he, he says, this is what you do. He continues. He said, give to everyone who begs from you. And for the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others should do to you, do also or do so to them. You have the golden rule here. He said, if you only love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get the same amount back. But love your enemies. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Probably some of the most challenging verses in Scripture right there. One, to even understand. Two, to live out. He said there's a difference between sinner love and godly love. And when I say sinner love, what comes to mind probably is not what he's talking about here. See, when there are some people who are easy to love, would you agree? There was a couple at Spring Hill, Merle and Norma Wheeler. And I believe they've been married 74 years now. I went to them at about the 72-year mark. And I said, and, and I went to their house and spent some time with them. And, and I said, how do you stay married for 72 years? Can you tell me how to do that? You know, I have to live like 112, but I'd like to know how to do that, you know, just in case. Um, you know, and when I talked to Norma, Merle was in the kitchen cooking supper. That's one way, just to let you know. Um, she said, oh, he's easy to love. He takes care of me. He's good to me. He's kind. He's just always trying to see what he can do for me. And so I was able to get him by himself and said, Merle, how, how do you stay married 72 years? He goes, oh, he goes, man, it's just been easy. She's the most easy person to love. She's kind to me. She's good to me. She's always finding ways to serve me. It's like they had it recorded, knowing I was coming going to ask, Okay. They, they say if you want the right answer, separate the witnesses. I did that so they couldn't collude. But they said the same thing. And they said we end every day the same way. We hug each other, we kiss each other, and we laugh, and we wipe our foreheads like, whoo, we made it through another one. They said every day you need to laugh. That was one of their things. See, I was expecting that it would be harder than that. For them, I said, hey, the other one's just so easy to love. And I think about people who are easy to love. One of the elders' wives at Spring Hill was, this is Clyde and Lois Ann Farmer. Lois Ann passed away after I'd been there about 18 months. And there was not a person who disliked Lois Ann. I said at her funeral, if you're somebody who does, it is your fault. I've never been, uh, it'd be, hard for press for me to say I've met anybody more loving 
She found ways to serve. She found ways to love. In school, she she worked as a secretary for a while, then became a special education aide and and took care of children for years and years and years. And, And she just loved people. She gave these, when she hugged you, you checked your pockets to make sure everything was still there. I've never had anybody hug you more thoroughly, okay? She just grabbed a hold of you and patted you because she wanted to make sure you knew you were loved. The people who hate hugging would hug her. She had a way of making you feel loved. She was easy to love. I don't know if you've ever seen this. This was some post on Facebook that somebody thought was cute. It said, I have no time to hate people who hate me. I'm too busy loving people who love me. You know what the Bible says about that? That's sinner love. That's what's hard about these others. When somebody's easy to love, he said, sinners love like that. I'm not talking anything personal about these people. They are wonderful, godly people. But he said, when people are easy to love, everybody loves like that. Call it Christmas card love. I don't know what determines your Christmas card list. I'm going to guess if there's people who don't send you a Christmas card after a few years, they go off your list to send them one. Well, I may have just got personal then. I, I don't know. But if you just send people stuff, who send you stuff. If you're just good to people who are good to you, Jesus said even sinners love like that. He said, if you want to love like Christ, if you want to be my disciples, then you learn how to love the unlovable. Realize on the love God initiated is the love God wants imitated. The love he put out there is the love he wants to see in us toward other people. It was the love that we see on a cross for a man who died for people, many who will never care, many who stood there and spit on him, many who, who did not care one bit and today act and live as that as though it did not happen. He said, that's how you love people. It's a selfless love. Many of us probably know someone, I guess all of us do, who loves selflessly and it's something that, can I tell you, we're usually attracted to them. There's usually something beautiful about someone who loves like this. I remember a study of a story about a little boy who was in school and the teacher was trying to teach fractions. And she, the teacher looked out and said to the little boy, said, there's six people in your family, your mom and dad, and you've got three brothers and sisters, so, so there, there's six of you. So if your mom cooks a pie and everybody gets a piece of pie, what fraction of the pie did everybody get? And he said, one-fifth. The teacher said, hold on a second, let's go back. There's six people in your family, your mom makes a pie, she cuts the pieces of the pie. If there's just six of you and you get one piece, how much of the pie do you get? He said, one-fifth. And the teacher's like, little boy, you don't understand math. And the little boy's like, ma'am, you don't understand my mama. She'll do without a piece so everybody else can have a bigger piece. So in my house, it's one-fifth. See, sacrificial love and a selfless love impacts those who are around. See, what Jesus talks about in Luke are some things that are hard for us because it, man, it goes against our American ways in some ways. What does he say? The first one's the thing of dignity. When somebody uh, comes up and slaps you on one cheek, do what? Turn them the other. 
that's not an easy place to be. When he says that, if somebody slaps you, comes up and hits you, and, 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 and do what? Turn the other cheek to them. And that's what he says. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who abuse you. The one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From what I understand from here, this is not somebody trying to beat you to death. This is a, you ever seen the slapping that's just trying to take your dignity away? Try to say, I'm here and you're there trying to provoke you? He said, you don't have to respond to your dignity being taken away because your dignity's in me. It's not in yourself. Turn the other cheek. And I'm like, man, that's hard. That is difficult to do. He said, by the way, I know your stuff means a lot to you, but if somebody comes up and demands your cloak, give them your tunic too. The people at this time, like us, unlike us, did not have a closet full of clothes. I'm going to guess that some of you went to your closets this morning who are as, which are as big as some bedrooms and you left declaring you have nothing to wear. Which means what? There's nothing I want to wear, nothing that fits, whatever, nothing that's in style and in season. The people here, that would not be the case. They would not go home and look through their you know, expansive wardrobe. He said, on your property stuff, if someone comes up and demands this, Go ahead and give them something else if they ask for it. That's what he says. Then if we were to look at Matthew's account, he would use the go the extra mile. He said, if, a, if someone comes up and demands you go with them one mile, go with them two. According to the Roman law at that time, if a soldier came up, and you were a Jewish citizen, and you were there, they could come up, and, and, and they could say, hey, I need you to carry my pack. And you would have to carry their pack one mile. And it has been said that people at that time in front of their homes would put up their own mile markers. They would put one here. They'd walk off the amount of steps one way and put one down, Put off, walk off the amount of steps the other and put one down. Why? Because the soldier could come by. You'd be in your yard saying, I need you to carry this for a mile. You'd put it on. And when you got to that mile marker, you could throw stuff down and go back home. You had no more requirement to them. And he says, hey, Go beyond what's required. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And he ends up by what? Saying the golden rule. Just as you would have others to do for you, do the same for them. See, Jesus has called us to a love that's greater. A love that, that is greater. And it is not a love of if or a love of because. It is a love of in, anyway and even though and in spite of. I don't know about you, but I love the people and I'm thankful for the people who love me anyway. The people who love me even though. And the people who love me in spite of. He said, that's the, the type of love I want to see from my people. Why? Because that type of love will make a difference. So the love God initiated is the love God wants imitated. It will make a difference. When we think about what Jesus went through, when they slapped him and hit him, he didn't retaliate. When they took his clothes from him, he didn't, he didn't yell, give those back. When they did those things to him, that is not what he did. Why? Because he had a greater purpose, and that purpose was to die on that cross and be raised three days later. Why? Because he loved us and wanted us to be saved. He's saying, imitate that love. 
It's an overflowing love. It's a love that that is beyond measure. You think about the love that he gave to us. There is a minimum daily requirement for water. If you don't know that, with last week and this week, you need to know it. It's hot and you need water. It's been told that people need 64 ounces of water a day. That's eight eight eight-ounce glasses. Well, uh, a few years ago, I really got serious about my weight, something I'm, I'm doing again. And they said, here's how you determine how much water you need a day. Take your weight in pounds, divide it in two, and that's how many ounces you need a day. Some of y'all just look like you must be a camel. I may have to be. Okay? I will not have any free time. It will be taken up, okay? I sit there and think about this. What he's saying is Christians aren't to do the minimum. We're to have an overflowing love. I read about a Irish bare-knuckle boxer who was incredibly good at what he did. And he had retired from boxing, and he, he had grown up rough, going to pubs and being in bar fights and everything else. And uh, I don't know if it just comes with that culture. One of my good friends in college was from, was from Ireland. He was a preacher's kid from Ireland. He was missing teeth. What did that happen? He goes, fights. Okay, they must still happen there, okay? I, I think about this. And, and this man who'd been converted wanted to go and convert the lost people who, who he had been around before, but he knew it was going to be a tough crowd. And he went into these pubs and bars, and he said, hey, I want you to hear about Jesus. And they would tell him to get out. He said, no, I really want you to hear about Jesus. He was like, if you really follow Jesus, then, then I know that uh, if you've changed, we'll see. So one guy wears back and hits him in the face, and he turns his cheek. And the guy's really surprised, so he throws a, another punch and hits him in the face, and all of a sudden the guy rolls up his sleeves and, and goes on to whip him. He said, I thought you weren't supposed to hit me. He said, no, the Lord only covered twice. (laughs) What happens if we determine we're only going to do the minimum? Then we will have a minimum effect in this world. He said, this is why you do this. The reason you love your enemies, the reason you do good to those who are hateful to you, the reason is, is that so that you will be sons of your Father who is in heaven. It shows that you belong to, to, to God. It shows that you are His child when you what? Then when you love differently than the world does. That means when He is walking, He turns around and He sees you there. Yes, it is difficult and it may sound impossible but it matters to us. Why does it matter that we live a higher level of love and a higher, have a higher directive? Because it pleases God. What should our life be about? Pleasing God. That's what, that's what it should be about above everything else. Our life should be about pleasing God and, and making a sacrifice that is something that, that makes a difference to Him. Sacrifices are what we've been called to make, and it makes a difference to Him. It makes a difference to Him. This sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to God. It was something that was offered up on our behalf. 
And we are told to do what? When we imitate his love, we are what? His disciples. His followers. And it makes a difference. Maybe we need to realize that whenever we do this, we realize the great love that God is, has given to us. If you'll go ahead and go to the last slide for me. I've got more sermon than time. But maybe we'll come back again and we can finish it. As we think about Christ, we think about the love he has. And he said, hey, the way you love one another, and if you love one another, all will see that you are my disciples. And that means when, when Jesus is walking and turns around, you will be there. Can I promise you, that is where we all want to be. That is where all of us, every single one of us want to be, is there when he turns around and we're there. And he said, here's how you do it. You abide in my word, and as you abide in my word, you do what? You love one another. A great price has been paid for us. He said, so you will pay a great price in following me. He has called us to a much higher love. But the higher love will point people to a higher plane. When people see us love in a certain way, they'll look at us and go, wow, there's no humanly way possible you can do that. And you can say, it's right, it is supernatural. I need to tell you about the one who has asked me to love like this. because I want you to see Jesus. We're in a world during a time nobody will ever see Jesus face to face until judgment. But they can see Jesus in you. And as they see Jesus in you, guess what? It will impact this world. It will change you. It will change your family. It will change where you work. It will change where you go to school. It will change this community. It will change this world when we choose to love at a higher level. And we do this because he loved us at a higher level. This morning, how can we help you? This morning, do you need today to commit your life to him and to respond to that great love that, that he has for you by being baptized for a mission of your sins? Today would be a great day to do that. Today also it may be that you realize that when it comes to, to loving others, you, you're more sinner love than godly love. You you're really easy to love people who love you versus loving everyone. Maybe today you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe today you need to forgive someone. Maybe today you need to ask us to help you with that, and we would love to do that. If we can help you in your walk, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?